The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome aboard, everybody. It is uh, 9 p.m., four minutes after 9 p.m. on uh, Friday here on the east coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to and watching uh, the Steve Malzberg Show. I want to start with how many times have we heard Joe Biden talk about taxes and saying how the rich have to pay their fair share, right? Pay their fair share. Whispers it into the microphone. Pay their fair share. That's all he's looking for. Pay their fair share. Um, It was the same, of course, with guns. You know, every time there's a shooting, we need to crack down on, on gun laws, more gun laws, more gun laws. Well, when Joe Biden's son, Hunter, was indicted and charged on all those gun violations, lying on his application to get a gun and blah, blah, blah. They came out of the woodwork on the left and said, you know, if he wasn't Joe Biden's son, he wouldn't even be charged. The same people, the same people who want to take my gun away and your gun away if you're a law-abiding citizen like me because criminals get guns. So they dismissed when a man acts in a criminal way to get a gun, Hunter Biden, And they say, ah, it's never prosecuted. Well, don't you want it prosecuted on the left? Don't you want every gun violation prosecuted? So that was hypocrisy 101. Um, Still in the same class as hypocrisy 101, exhibit B, if that was exhibit A, (laughs) you think I'm a lawyer, don't you? Is what's happening now. Of course, that... That those gun charges, there was a plea deal reached and then a judge dismissed the plea deal. So those gun charges are still pending as far as I know. But last night at this time, right before we took to air, I told you all that Hunter Biden was indicted on nine counts related to tax fraud from 2016 to 2019. Well over a million dollars. A rich guy. Now, this doesn't even talk about, as far as I know, how he got the money. But he did get the money and either didn't file income tax or failed to report it or cheated or whatever. All these accusations. okay? and what am I hearing now from the left? Oh, if he wasn't the president's son, they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't. Really? But. Don't you on the left want everybody to pay their fair share? So the hypocrisy is astounding. Astounding. And I wonder if any other Republican, like, you know, Republicans who are elected officials or on the the, the Republican National Committee and real, you know, congressional campaign committee and senatorial. I wonder if they'll be saying these things. Like if they'll juxtapose Biden whispering, pay your fair share or, you know, gun, we need gun laws. And then how they talk about Hunter as, ah, ah, nobody gets prosecuted for this. It's only because he's Hunter Biden. 
It's a joke. It's 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 blatant in your face hypocrisy 101. Well, everything's 101. I'll keep it at 101. <laughs> Exhibit A and B equals un, uh, under the heading of hypocrisy 101. So let me give you some, let me just give you a little example. Oops, shouldn't have hit the microphone. That's that's never good. So let me give you a little example of uh, of, of what happened here. According to the indictment, Biden, Hunter, engaged in a four-year scheme to not pay at least $1.4 million in self-addressed federal taxes that he owed for 2016 through 2019. Um, let's see. Uh, page 38 of the indictment itemizes all these kinds of things. Biden is alleged to have paid, you ready for this? $683,000 for various women. 600 and $83,212 for those various women. $397,000 for clothing and accessories. $188,000 for adult entertainment. Okay? I mean, wow. This is, you know, this is just insane stuff. But again, again, this is that he, he didn't pay his taxes when he was supposed to. At various times, didn't report income when he was supposed to, cheated on what he was, uh, uh, made, cheated on deductions, allegedly, um, all kinds of stuff. You mean to tell me that if someone got caught doing this, they wouldn't be prosecuted? Really? Oh, man. Now, now, that's not the, it's not a crime to spend money on, on women and adult entertainment, as long as if they mean by that prostitutes that it's legal, but that's, that's not what he's charged with. Okay. That's what his records show. So let me, let me, let me let you hear a bit of the hypocrisy in the media. NBC news put on this Angela Senandela, NBC news, legal analyst. Okay. And to her, this whole thing is so unfair. Folks, could you imagine if this was Donald Trump's kid? <laughs> oh, they'd want him in jail for, they'd be counting up the years, baby. Adding the years, just like they're doing for Donald. Oh, he faces, uh, you know, years in prison. You know, this is very, very serious matter. <laughs> you know, everybody should pay their fair share. Because it's Hunter Biden. It's like, ah, everybody does this. Really? Okay, so here... Um, here's cut 98. Are you surprised that this is something that was even taken to a grand jury in California? Yes, you know, I really am because these tax charges were supposed to be part of this plea deal. So Hunter Biden, when he went in front of that judge who did not approve that plea agreement, he admitted openly in court that he had violated tax laws as part of the plea agreement. Now that is literally the definition of a bait and switch. So you agree to this because you think you're not gonna have to go to prison for it. And then because it's not signed by a judge, then those same charges are filed against you later. Now, as a lawyer, I'm aware this is legally possible. Many things are legally possible. But the fact that this actually happened is rare. <laughs> Poor Hunter. Oh, man. He agreed to a plea agreement, which was so one-sided, 
which would have meant that he was getting away with everything and couldn't be charged down the road for other things. The judge saw it and said, uh, excuse me? And because that plea agreement fell through and they couldn't come to another plea agreement, now he's charged. Oh, that never happens. Oh, no, he should just, because there was a plea agreement, the judge threw it out, that should kind of be acquittal. That should be the end of it because he's Joe Biden's son. Because everybody, that would happen to everybody. You know, you make a plea deal. The judge says, I can't accept this deal. And so they say to you basically, okay, go home. You're done. No more. <laughs> it's better than the plea deal. Doesn't work that way. This is a legal analyst on N on NBC. We're not we're not done. Uh, this is cut ninety nine. Again, these charges are brought very unusually due to the limited resources of the IRS generally, and they tend to only bring them when they're real outstanding amounts. That's what they go after. Or if it's a situation like Wesley Snipes, where someone is intentionally trying to challenge the law and say, I don't want to pay taxes. But Hunter Biden in court admitted to not paying taxes, but then seemingly has made it up. It's unclear whether or not he's paid back the full amount, but that's often something that could happen in negotiation. This usually does not devolve to this level of a lawsuit. I'm sorry, of, of criminal allegations. Again, poor, poor Hunter. So, so you know, we keep reading they added 80,000 IRS agents and you're telling me, and, and I know I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I've seen them in the stories written about the addition of those IRS agents. I've seen it written uh, and, and spelled out what percentage of, of, of those agents will probably go to, you know, the average Joe making the average salary, not billionaires cheating on their taxes or whatever. I, I, again, this is over, this is a million, almost a million and a half dollars over Three, four years, uh, uh, according to the indictment, I'm not saying he did it, according to the indictment, a, a, co a, a, you know, a, a concerted effort to cheat, to lie, to not pay, to evade. And you're telling me that normally, because they're, why would she say, because the IRS agents are so busy or what would she say, that they wouldn't even look at this? Really? Are you kidding me? I don't even know what, to, I mean, I, I, but they know no shame. They know no shame. Tell it to people. I'd like to f see somebody who went to jail or lost their home or whatever because they, I don't know, cheated or made a mistake or whatever. They got to be people out there. No, no, it's only because he's Hunter Biden. That's the only reason. Otherwise, a million and a half dollars over four years, cheating, allegedly, cheating, lying, hiding, falling, you know, not filing this, hiding this and that. Ah, the IRS says, ah, we don't have time for that. <laughs> In what country? In what world? But they say this. They, they have no shame. Here's cut um, one. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, 100. There was also the allegation from some IRS whistleblowers saying that Hunter Biden had received some sort of special treatment, that they had slow walked the process because he was the president's son. 
When you are looking at all of this, knowing what you know about special counsel David Weiss, why do you think he chose this? Yes, I think what you're getting at is extremely possible, and that's because all prosecutors have total prosecutorial discretion, meaning so there are so many people out there who have likely been in a similar situation like Hunter Biden, but are not the ones who are getting charged. In this case, Hunter Biden getting charged, it's because David Weiss is feeling some pressure to. At some point, he did not, and now he does. So it is likely it is because of the intense political pressure on his special treatment that he's allegedly given to Hunter Biden. But it's also an unusual case where he is a family member of a politician, but not really a politician himself. So the scrutiny is a little bit questionable on all sides. So he got charged because of accusations from IRS whistleblowers. Follow this now. IRS whistleblowers came forward and said Hunter Biden had been getting special treatment with this investigation. I think this investigation took five years, five years. They were slow walking it. They wouldn't, they tipped them off, all these accusations from the whistleblowers, okay? So because he was allegedly getting special treatment, the prosecutor, the special prosecutor, now David Weiss said, oh, well, because of those accusations, I feel pressure now. We got to charge him with something. It, 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 please. So because he got special treatment, now he's got to be charged? But it's not like you're making charges up, right? And again, for her to say that this is highly unusual, usually they don't get charged for this kind of thing. Think about it, folks. Would you ever consider? Would you ever consider? Not reporting, I don't care what what your income is, but a million and a half million point four dollars over these years, not filing a return, uh, not reporting certain income, hiding certain income. Would you do that? Wouldn't you think you're risking prosecution and jail time and everything else? Of course. Who does that? If he did it, a criminal. Well, a criminal does it. I don't know if Hunter did it because he has to go to trial. So this is just wackadoo. That poor Hunter Biden. Poor, poor, poor Hunter. And now I'm watching on the news shows, uh, CNN uh, with Anderson Cooper and others before I came on. You know, oh, oh, tell us about Hunter's brother, Bo, who passed away. Now, Joe Biden will tell you he died in Iraq, which he didn't. He died of cancer. Um, tell us how that affected a hunter's life. Yes, it's poor hunter, poor, poor, poor hunter. I mean, my God, it doesn't end. And Hunter gave some interview today to someone, and he's talking about th- what they're trying to do is kill me. Now, I don't, you know, not. I guess he means I don't know, destroy me. But he said kill, and and then what that would do to his father. They're all. It's all about coming after his father. No. If, if if you're guilty, it's all about what you did. Let's go to um, CNN, Poppy Harlow. And Poppy Harlow has Michael uh, Bender of the New York Times. And um, guess what? Here's <laughs> Can you guess what, what their take is? Here's cut 96. Yeah. Michael, this is a complete collision course between... Yeah you know, the the political system and the legal system. What's fascinating is for both the president's son 
and for the former president all at the same time. Yeah, I can't recall a time where uh, the, the legal and political systems have, have been on this kind of crash course. Um, I think politically, normally, um, the American people are, are less likely to uh, penalize a candidate for his family's uh, uh, charges. Um, and you would think in a maybe in a normal world, uh, all these charges against Hunter Biden might take some steam out of the Republican argument that Joe Biden has weaponized the Justice Department uh, against his uh, against his political enemies. But, uh, you know, the key word there is no, in a normal time, uh, you got to keep in mind that uh, weaponizing the justice, justice system isn't just an accusation right now from President Trump. It's also a campaign promise uh, for a second term. OK, so somehow they turned this conversation into Donald Trump threatening to <laughs> to do away with democracy. <laughs> All that in about a 30 second bite. Okay, crazy. But but again, again, no, this doesn't change the weaponization of the Justice Department. Hunter Biden is like in your face. Again, these charges, if he did them, are in your face. This is what what people would normal people, law abiding citizens would never dream of doing. And if they knew someone was doing it, anyone, they would expect them to be punished, charged, brought to justice. Just like lying on a gun application. I mean, you know, and, and there were other charges with the lying. There were that, I don't think that was the only charge. You don't do that. You don't do it. So they felt pressure for whatever reason. I don't care why they brought these charges. They should be brought. They should be brought if they have evidence to this effect. He should be charged like anybody else would be, notwithstanding what the media and the left are saying that they wouldn't be. They would be. OK, doesn't change. Doesn't change what the FBI did in, in you know, in going to interview Catholic priests and and chorus, the heads of uh, of uh, church choirs and, and the letter about the threat of, of church going Catholics and, and the 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 Antifa people who just never get arrested and parents who are treated as terrorists at school board meetings. It doesn't change anything. And what they're doing to Donald Trump. One case after the other case after the other case after the other case. I mean, it just it doesn't change any of it. So all of a sudden, there's no weaponization of of the Justice Department and the FBI because of this. This wipes this this evens the score. No, it doesn't. Everybody. No, it doesn't. Very good. Very good. One more on this. Uh, more Poppy Harlow on CNN. Because you can ne never get enough Poppy Harlow, whatever that means. And here's uh, Ellie Honig. He's their chief legal correspondent or chief legal analyst, whatever. Um, how this is going to affect Joe Biden or that it doesn't affect Joe Biden or whatever. Here's cut 97. What about this push for an impeachment? Because I will say California and Delaware are the two jurisdictions where when this plea deal was about to happen, Critics of it, Republicans were pointing and saying, what about those two jurisdictions? Yeah. Why is that even brought here? So no mention of Joe Biden, no reference to Joe Biden in the indictment. James Comer, of course, 
is seizing on this. And he says that Hunter Biden's corporate entities implicated by today's indictments funneled foreign cash that landed in Joe Biden's bank account. A little bit of sleight of hand happening here, though, because Comer's focused on the payments, the seven million dollars that Hunter Biden received. But that's not the crime. The indictment makes clear there is no charge. There could have been a charge of bribery if there was bribery. There could have been a charge of foreign lobbying if that was the case. There is no such charge. The crime here is the tax part of that. And I don't see any link in the indictment or even in Comer's statement to Joe Biden. So we'll see. We'll see if James That's Comer a really has the important guns. point. Right? Yeah. Uh, look, he's been promising quite a bit in this impeachment inquiry. The link is not there. We'll see if he finds something new. They've had a year to do it. We'll see where they go. Okay. This has nothing to do. This was not. Look, this tax, with all this evidence, with all this evidence, it took five years to bring these charges. Okay. It's obvious to me, and I don't know this for a fact, but I, this wasn't about linking Joe Biden or the income itself. Where did the income come from? Um, that that does this doesn't um, acquit Joe Biden. It doesn't acquit Hunter Biden on on what he did for this money. How did he earn it? Where where did it come from? It, it doesn't acquit him on that. What payments were made to Joe from the money? This isn't about Joe Biden. This is about Hunter. You can't assume that if there was a crime there related to Joe Biden, that he would be charged too. This wasn't an investigation into Joe Biden. So that's separate. That's going to have to come from Congress at this point. We might have a, an official impeachment inquiry launched next week. At this point, I don't know. I, I I think it I think it's a mistake. Just let the public let let the the Hunter Biden stuff speak for itself. Let, you know, put out a report. You don't have to impeach the guy. It doesn't matter. He might he's probably not going to be the nominee. I mean, it just doesn't matter. Speaking of, not going to be the nominee. Hunter Biden, <laughs> if he's found it, now, the White House said when they were asked before the plea deal with the. Gun charges. Would Joe Biden consider pardoning his son? No. You know who said that? Karine Jean-Pierre, the self-proclaimed historic figure. She didn't say it with the French accent, though. She said no. Now, apparently, they, 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 they've doubled down on that now, being asked about it after this. I don't believe it for one second. Do you think that if Hunter Biden is, is sentenced to jail time for this, his father is going to let him go to jail? For one minute, do you think this? No. No way. I'll bet you dollars to donuts. I don't know what I, I don't know what that means. I've heard it said over and over again, you know, for a long time. You, I'll bet you dollars to donuts. Don't have any clue what that means. But I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take the donuts or the dollars, whatever, because I'll win. Uh, of course, he'll pardon his son. I mean, who wouldn't? Really, who wouldn't? And of course, they got the whole, oh, he's recovering from drugs. He's turned his life around. What a man. What a great, oh, his brother was a, his brother passed away. What a hero his brother was. Oh, it had such an effect on him. Oh, da-da-da-da-da. Now, I'm not mocking Bo Biden by any means. God, may he rest in peace. But I'm just saying, the violins are playing already. They played after the first round before the plea bargain with the gun charges. But again, out of everything I've said in this opening segment, think about it. 
Oh, nobody gets charged for this. And with the guns, it was the same thing. Lying on a gun application? Nobody gets charged for this. But the whole platform of Joe Biden and the left is stricter gun laws, stricter gun laws, ban this gun, uh, background checks, this and that. But lying on a gun application? Ah, nobody gets charged for that. And the taxes pay your fair share. And when we have these accusations for over a million, almost a million and a half dollars, ah, if he wasn't Hunter Biden, no one would care. The IRS wouldn't charge him. Lying, hypocrisy, they think we're stupid. And if the Republicans don't tell you and, and make a point of what I'm telling you, then we are and they are. All right, folks, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Steve Malzberg right here on TNT Radio Vision. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around so that's not really taking off the way they want to either and then she said something very interesting she said you know what when the water crisis comes people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water and if you don't have water for a few days at a time you'll know all about it so maybe you know we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a world economic forum type narrative could this be what it is. Locked and loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. I was such a young age. Everything changed. My name is Chloe. When I was 13, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. When I found out, I just didn't know how to react. I felt like everything was just kind of closing in on me. It just became a routine. Dad's doing chemo. I'd come home from school, wait for mum to finish work, and we'd go straight to the hospital, spend a few hours there, just draw. It was hard to navigate going to school. Hundreds of kids, and I was the only one with a dying dad. He was diagnosed in March, and then he died in October. Towards the end, I heard about canteen. It kind of felt nice to know that they had other people like me. They understood what I was going through, and we didn't even have to chat about cancer. In 2020, I became a youth ambassador, so I can help others the way they helped me. I've done so many things since I was 13. I've graduated high school, university, gotten my license, made a move across the country. Life now is just a whole lot more fun. Please give a gift today to support more young people like me experiencing cancer. If you're talking about it, we're talking about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hey, folks, welcome back. Um, let's move on. Uh, the other day was, uh, of course, the uh, GOP debate, and we played you a bunch of sound from it yesterday and a bunch of video, and we had Jeffrey Lord on, and uh, we reviewed a bunch of it. Um, something happened, though, during a commercial break after the one of the first segments of the debate that I, I just became aware of. Because Megyn Kelly, who was one of the moderators, talked about it. And apparently Chris Christie went up to her during the during the break and said stuff. And so she she reveals what uh, that big, big buffoon blowhard actually said to her. 
And here it is. Here's uh, cut 106. So I'll give you guys some news. All over the internet last night was a video that went viral of somebody in the balcony filming Chris Christie coming over to yours truly during a break at the end of the first hour and kind of getting up in my grill. And there was all sorts of speculation about what was happening there. I will tell you what was happening there. It was not off the record. He was pissed off. He was mad that he wasn't getting enough questions. And he said, you know, I made it up on this stage and I haven't been able to speak in a while. And, you know, I should have been brought in on that last debate. And, you know, I'm, I had a couple minds of it. I said, we're coming to you. You're gonna be happy in the second hour, which I lived up to. But number one, he was right that in the last run, he had been excluded. And the reason that happened is because we let them fight in the first 40 minutes of the debate. And therefore that comes at the expense of something. And where, where you insert yourself, Chris Christie, on this earlier fight, or that's, it's all at the expense of something else that's coming, which is fine. We were, we were not wedded to our rundown. We, our goal, we had like 40 questions going out there. Our goal was to ask 10 of them, you know, in a perfect world. So Christie complaining that he wasn't getting enough airtime, wasn't getting enough questions, wasn't being involved in the conversation. And she's explaining that, you know, there weren't a lot of questions asked because you, if you were with me last night, you saw the back and forth, the fighting, the shouting, the whole thing. And he interrupted and all that. But here, and it kind of surprised me a little bit after what you just heard her say, you figure she was okay with it. So, okay, you know, whatever. But now she goes after Christy. I, I was surprised to hear this. G give a listen. Here's cut um, 107. I knew very well that Christy was going to get asked a Trump question having to do with immigration at the top of the next hour. So it was totally fair to him. And he's polling at 2%, okay? In no debate ever, and I've now done six of them, have we given as many questions to the guy who's at 3% as to the person who's in the lead, at least amongst the candidates on the stage. I'm sorry, Governor Christie. That's the way it is. And all said and done, CNN says this is the timing on the stage. Vivek got 22 minutes, DeSantis 21, Haley 17, Christie 16, and 52 seconds. So he was a half a, half a minute behind Haley, who's tied up there for number one. So I don't want to hear it, frankly. We, we did right by him. He got a ton of airtime. That's what he was mad about. I like the guy, but just to break some news on what people are speculating on, Jim, they never like it when they don't get to speak. Oh, she pulls no punches these days, especially, um, you know, uh, when, when she's on satellite and all that kind of stuff in her podcasts and whatever she's doing. But good for her. I love what she said. The guy's at 2%. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing up there in the first place. Why is, why is he up there? Shouldn't there be a, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know what all the qualifications are, to be honest with you, to get up there. He wasn't whatever. It's just it's just a waste. There's there's absolutely no way in heck that uh, Chris Christie's going to uh, you know do anything here. He just keeps bashing and bashing and bashing and bashing again. Watch for him to get a job at, you know, CNN or MSNBC when this is over. You know, well, what, what else is he going to do? What's he going to do? Work in the Biden administration on the second term? Be attorney general for them? <laughs> Might as well be because he's not a Republican. He's not a conservative. I have firsthand experience going back to the Ground Zero Mosque. Look up the Ground Zero Mosque if you don't remember it. Not that long after 9-11. Well, 
I shouldn't say not that long. Uh, 07, maybe 08, uh, thereabouts, uh, seven years after it or so. They wanted to build a mosque right at ground zero where the World Trade Center was. Okay. And, and people were outraged at the symbolism of it. And Christie, I had him on. I talked about it with him. He would not criticize it. He would not give an opinion on it. He would not weigh in on it. It's not for politicians to say, what, you don't have an opinion all of a sudden? And that's just one example. He's not a conservative, in my view. Not my kind of conservative, put it that way, okay? And then when the, the beaches were closed during Hurricane Sandy or before or after Hurricane Sandy, remember the picture? Google that picture of Chris Christie on the beach with his family. They were the only ones on the beach because no one was allowed on the beach. But Chris Christie and his family were sitting there like idiots on the beach. He And I told you about the Saturday Night Live. And today, after I sent in all the, the sound bites for tonight, the videos, I said, oh, man, I didn't uh, didn't do the Chris Christie that I, like I promised last night. You'll get it. Next week, you'll get it. Chris Christie on Saturday Night Live. Three weeks after Hurricane Sandy killed over 40 people in New Jersey, he was governor and destroyed tens and millions of hundreds of millions of dollars in damage to people's homes and infrastructure and whatever. This fool went on Saturday Night Live and acted like the buffoon that he is. Okay. One more from Megan Kelly. It's not about this, though. She's talking about um, if Donald Trump has to run from jail. For president, if he's uh, uh, if he's convicted, okay, and not let out, if he's convicted and sent to prison, she thinks that there's going to be hell to pay. I don't personally agree, but here uh, here's what she had to say. Cut one oh one. All right, let me end with this. I don't think anybody thinks anything really changed as a result of last night. So once again, Trump won because if nothing changed, he's the winner. He's fifty points ahead. So so now what, guys? Andy McCarthy had an editorial on National Review saying he really thinks Judge Shuckin might not let Trump go free on bond when he is likely convicted in that federal case in D.C. There will be riots. The country will burn if she sends him to jail prior to November 2024. And Andy, the smartest guy we all know, is saying, mm, don't rule it out. So where do we go from this day to that? I look... I, and I don't want it to burn. Don't get me wrong. I don't want anybody to do anything illegal ever. So I'm not advocating for that. I'm advocating against it, to be clear. But I don't think she's right. I don't think she's right. I, I don't I, I just don't think it's I, I don't think it's there. Um th this isn't Black Lives Matter. This isn't the left. This isn't Antifa. This isn't Hamas supporters in America. You know, I, I just, I, I, yeah, I know we saw the Capitol riots. I understand that. Uh, but I just don't think, I don't think you're going to see it. I don't think you're going to see it. I think she's wrong. I, I really do think she's wrong. Hopefully we don't get to that point And hopefully I'm right and she's wrong. If it does get to the point where Trump is, is running for president from prison. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? Okay. Um, all right. So let, let's move on here. This is, uh, and you you all recall the um, the um, university presidents, the three university presidents, Harvard, MIT, University of Pennsylvania, 
testifying before Congress, Elise Stefanik from New York, the Republican who raked them over the coals on anti-Semitism and calls for genocide on campus. And every one of these three women acted like fools, fools, disgusting, smirking fools that it's okay. Freedom of speech protects calls for genocide against Jews on campus unless it's carried out. Well, two of the three at least have retracted. University of Pennsylvania lost lost from one guy because of what she said at that hearing a 100 million dollar donation that's from one person um and there's calls for these people to resign and, and all that so here's a little review by the uh the free press vi uh video the free press did a video about the hypocrisy at uh, the university uh, at universities from these three presidents of these universities when it comes to freedom of speech and what would be tolerated and what is and isn't tolerated, what has and hasn't been tolerated. Here is cut number 103. Just look at the facts. Last year, Harvard told students in a mandatory training session that using the wrong pronouns for a person constitutes abuse. Sizeism and fat phobia, according to the session, are also attitudes that contribute to an environment that perpetuates violence. But when Harvard's president was asked by members of Congress this week in a hearing on campus anti-Semitism, if calling for the genocide of Jews constitutes bullying and harassment, here's what she said. It can be, depending on the context. In 2018, the University of Pennsylvania barred law professor Amy Wax from teaching freshmen after she said black students rarely finish in the top half of their graduating class. Penn has since been trying to sanction Wax for statements the law school says violate its anti-discrimination policies. But when Penn's president was asked if calls for genocide violate college rules, here's how she answered. Okay. If you'll the hear, speech you'll turns hear. into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision. So fatism, calling people fat, saying blacks rarely graduate in the top half of their class or whatever she, she said, all these things warrant firings and suspensions and everything, but calling for the genocide of Jews, well, it depends. You know, if they take action on it, then, uh, then uh, yeah, then. So what, they got to kill a Jew first? But you see the hypocrisy? Of course it's hypocrisy. You say anything about another group of uh, blacks. Oh, could you imagine people with Trump hats or, or, or white hoods or forget the white hoods, Trump hats. I don't care what they're wearing. I don't care what, I don't care what they're doing. They're, they're, they're saying, get, you know, get blacks off campus. They're not even saying kill them. They're not even calling for genocide or or trans people or fat people. Can you imagine what would be going on? The coverage, the, the outrage, the Justice Department, the FBI, domestic terrorists. Nothing. Nope. Not the same thing. Nope. You got to have it happen first. Something's got to happen first. Well, they've all walked it back. But here, let, let, let's get more from uh, from this uh, free press video. Here's cut 104. And when she was asked this. 
So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? This is what she said. If the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. In 2021, MIT canceled a major lecture about climate change by scientist Dorian Abbott because a group of graduate students disagreed with his belief that hiring should be based on a person's merit rather than their identity. If MIT won't tolerate unacceptable views, surely the college's president would shut down chants of long live the Antifada on our campus. Right? This is all being done with a straight face. You know, it's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit because it's so wildly insane. But this is what, this is it. This is where we are. This is what's taking place. One more from uh, the Free Press uh, video. Here's 105. At MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated of, as harassment if pervasive and severe. But anti-Semitic speech on campus has already escalated into physical violence. Students at these campuses have been assaulted, targeted, and harassed. Safety first. But when it comes to the Jews, it all depends on the context. I'm Maya Sulkin. This is the Free Press. Safety first. But when it comes to the Jews, it all depends on the context. I'm Maya Sulkin. This is the Free Press. Indeed. Um, that was that was a good report. And I just wanted to present it because it sums up what we went in depth on uh, the the day, uh, the night of the hearings, which I, I again, I still can't believe what I heard. And, and neither can people in important places uh, calling for the end of funding, any public support for these universities unless these presidents are fired. And as I said, as I said that night, that how many of these women do you believe were really the most qualified people to get these positions. The president of Harvard, uh, Ms. Gay, she just took over in July. You think her and the other two were the most qualified people in the whole country to get those positions? Look at that. Look at they did to themselves in that hearing. It's like they all got together in the ladies' room beforehand and came up with an answer and stuck to it while putting the lipstick on. Unbelievable. All right, folks, we have one final segment left in the week. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Steve Malsberg right here on TNT Radio Vision. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Enough. We are sick and tired of breathless headlines like Senator Josh Hawley goes off after FBI Director Christopher Wray admits no one is being fired for targeting Catholics. And Ted Cruz hammers FBI Director Christopher Wray for 
sitting blithely by as FBI is weaponized. And Senator Mike Lee, FBI Director Christopher Wray, you have a lot of gall, sir. This is disgraceful. Uh, I'm going to write a sternly worded letter to the editor. I mean, come on, we understand that Republicans in the Senate have very little power, them being in the minority at the moment. But we need more than breathless headlines. We need more than investigations in the House. We need more than subpoenas. So-and-so's been subpoenaed, so what? They thumb their noses at us. You cannot run in 2025 based on we're not Joe Biden, because guess what? It's probably not gonna be Joe Biden. It's probably gonna be Kamala or Gruesome Newsom or somebody else. So articulate a plan for the country. How are you going to fix this government so that it is never weaponized against the American people ever again? For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. I had a, a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. Follow me on Twitter at Steve M. Talk. Follow me on Facebook, Steve M., uh, Facebook.com slash Steve M. Talk. And also uh, on uh, Instagram, Steve M. Talk. All right, so let's uh, move on here. And let's move to, um, I mean, this is this is kind of incredible stuff. Sonny Hostin who has been labeled an anti-Semite by the folks at Newsbusters. And here she is. Um, <laughs> she's on The View, of course, and basically um, talking about the what we just heard from the professor, the uh, presidents of the universities and uh, Jewish genocide and all that kind of stuff. So here is cut 82. Can I, can I just weigh in here? Yeah. Because, um, you know, I think... This, this, Elise Stefanik, the congresswoman, mm -hmm. was talking about, and what this entire hearing was about, should have been about free speech. And free speech, and although many people may feel uncomfortable with it, mm -hmm. the most hateful and heinous speech is the most protected speech. Okay. Campuses have not and been so, good for free speech so, in years. Well, so but but they have been. <laughs> and what Harvard actually has but, one of the worst but, records but what on free you speech. Have, what you heard was them saying what is completely accurate under the law. It depends on the context. So if someone does yell at a crowd, racial slurs or calls for genocide in a public place, in a crowd, that is protected speech one-on-one -on -one confrontation. If a white student, for example, says to a black student a racial slur, then it's then this that is, that is about me, the codes just, of Can conduct. I just finish yeah, this it's not for a moment, about the law, That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. So if you walk on a college campus, well, she's talking about the law, and maybe that's the law. If it is, it's pretty insane. If you shout at a group of, of blacks a racial slur, that's fine, but if you shout it, if you go up to a per one black and say the same racial slur, that's not under the law. 
that doesn't make sense to me. But on a college campus, the code of conduct, which the campus could set, they differ differentiate between calling a group, calling for the annihilation of a group of Jews, the genocide of a group of Jews, as opposed to going up to one and saying it to, to one person. There's a difference. You could do it to the group. The hell? What? Is, what? And she's sticking up for that. Here's uh, cut number eighty-three. But, but, but the codes of conduct must adhere to the law. So but it when, it's, when it's when it's when it's protect students. No, it, it, re it really can't go against the Constitution of the United States. So when we're talking about this one-on-one -on -one type of thing, yes, that is when that conduct leads to harassment and could be actionable by the university. And that's exactly what Harvard. But as it said, do you have to commit genocide to be able to condemn genocidal language? Like that's a that's a dangerous no, slippery slope. No, yeah, but but. Again, use of that type of example is really inflammatory and it distorts- But that's actual what, words being used what, on college campuses. It distorts what the law is. The law protects that kind of language. So and in my opinion, in my opinion, mm -hmm. college is the perfect place to have these sorts of uncomfortable conversations. Even the Jewish AC, students even don't the feel AC, comfortable even on college campuses. Even the ACLU campuses. said that the Supreme Court cannot prevent speech that is likely to provide a hostile response. If it I, said this, the if I said this about any other community on earth other than Jews, I would be canceled 10 times to Sunday. That's right. And any college student saying it would be kicked out, any professor would be kicked out. Yeah, of course. Of course, she thinks college is the great place to have an open discussion about the genocide of Jews. Of course. Now, do you believe for one moment if there were people on campus calling for the genocide of blacks or the enslavement of blacks? Okay, massive rallies on campus saying blacks should be put back in chains and enslaved and not be permitted to be on campus? You think Sonny Hostin would say, under the law, that's that's okay. And by the way, I can't think of a better place to discuss this than on the college campus. My butt, she would say that. No, my butt, she would say that. Please. All right, now, care, care, um, which is a, an organization, uh, Council on uh, American Islamic Relations, which was an unindicted co-conspirator once in a case involving Hamas, uh, which has been embraced by the left, which has been embraced by the Biden administration until the other day when they unembraced them. You want to know why they unembraced them? I'll give you a hint. They were involved in Biden's push for uh, to, to, to solve anti-Semitism, and they let CARE in on it. CARE was in on it. Can you imagine anything so ludicrous? Well, here is the head of care, Nihad Iwad, uh, speaking about uh, about October 7th at the American Muslims for Palestine Convention in November. Here's cut 86. The people of Gaza only decided to break the siege, the walls of the concentration camp on October 7th. And yes, I was happy to see people breaking the siege and throwing down the shackles of their own land and walk free into their lands that they were not allowed to walk in. 
And yes, the people of Gaza have the right to self-defense, have the right to defend themselves. And yes, Israel as an occupying power does not have that right to self-defense. Gaza became the liberation source, the inspiration for people. Gaza transformed many minds around the world, including people who are not Muslim. What kind of faith these people have? They are thankful. They're not afraid. Okay. So he was happy to see what he saw on October, uh, on October 7th. He was happy. He was happy. What, what more needs to be said, my friends? What more needs to be said? This should define them for the rest of time, certainly as long as this man's there. And if you think that this is some kind of surprise to me, I'm not surprised. I might be surprised that he said it in a forum that was so easily uh, videoed, but I'm not surprised. Here's more. Here's uh, cut 87. And Israel did not scare them because they knew that their heaven is in Gaza. And they, if they would like to die, they will go to another heaven. That is the faith of the people of Gaza. And that's why Gaza and the people of Gaza were able to transform everyone who's watching. They have learned from these people. And those who felt bad for Gaza, they don't understand the equation. Those who thought that the Gazans are less than those who can help them they are mistaken. They are mistaken. The Gazans were the victorious. Okay, there you go. So the White House edited CARE's name off of a May 25th document acknowledging that, that they were one of several groups, quote, committed to counter anti-Semitism and build cross-community solidarity by organizations across the private sector, civil society, religious and multi-faith communities, and higher education. A White House official told the Jewish Insider that CARE was not listed in the strategy. They were one of several independent organizations listed in the supplement document. The White House has removed their commitment, their, uh, their commitment from the supplemental document today. Gee, what a surprise. I'm just personally shocked. I thought CARE was the perfect group to help uh, stamp out anti-Semitism. <laughs> Again, you can't make it up. And you have to remember, in my opinion, that Barack Obama is running this country. So naturally, groups like CARE and the radical left is running this country. So groups like CARE will be involved for some reason in a White House effort to combat anti-Semitism. Uh, and there you just heard their leader speak. So maybe, maybe you didn't hear it. What could I tell you? Folks, Thank you. See you Monday, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern time. God willing, we'll do it again. Big week coming up. Every week's a big week right here on TNT Radio Vision.